The wisdom of wishful thinking. A large passenger jet had crashed in the Libyan desert. Lucius corrected himself mid-thought, it had been shot down. No one on board had survived. He and the other angels of death moved amongst the wreckage picking up their assigned souls for the angels of justice to sort. He walked alongside Rubius, the archangel of death, surveying the damage, and assisting with supervising the soul purge. His sandals crunching on some of the melted glass from the impact in the sand. His red kilt hung just below his muscular thighs. As horrific as everything seemed here, it was just another day at the office for them. Normally the soul evacuation from the crash should be a fast assignment with all the help they had. He would normally move on to a new assignment, but his day was just beginning to get strange. He could feel it, something was out of sorts. He couldn't put his finger on it. This is quite an eternal tab for the souls of the terrorists, Rubius said, referring to the fact that the odds of the angels of mercy helping their souls when they eventually died had just narrowed to near zero. The arch's present was another sign that Lucius' day was about to take a turn. Rubius was the boss the angel in charge. Lucius, being the under-archangel of death, had his entire team here, so they didn't necessarily need the help. Kalila Shea, right there. Lucius pointed. It was getting harder to tell the charred remains from the charred wreckage. Rubius nodded as he reached over and tapped the arm of a middle-aged woman to purge her from her mangled remains. The spirit rose and stood next to them. Father. The woman waved happily and stepped forward to greet him like she had not seen him in many decades. She had no idea it wasn't her father, no idea that the angel's appearance would be different to each person who laid eyes on them. Hello, Kalila, Rubia said, before allowing her soul to release into the white light with a wave of his hand. She evaporated before she could speak further. Lucius thought, when it came to seeing souls off, one would think the archangel was a bit short with his words, offering a hello, and off with you without a second thought. But, if the truth be known, Lucius was not very talkative with the dead either. There was no sense in having conversations with them, but he tried to sound as if he cared, or at least to offer an explanation if something crazy happened to them, but so far no one had asked questions about this event. They were all still too stunned to react. He stepped over something that looked like it had once been an e-reader. It was a melted mess now. That also explains why no one is trying to run away. Facts were facts, no one could outrun death, and judgment was always on death's heels, followed closely by the angels of justice, who were not known for their mercy. He moved over to a young man and amped his shoeless, charred foot with his finger. The man's spirit rose and stood next to Lucius. As the man looked at the angel his mouth opened wide, in a useless attempt to scream. To other angels, Lucius was angelically handsome with brown hair, blue eyes, and a tall muscular figure. Rubius appeared distinctly African with handsome dark features and almond eyes. However, as angels of death, humans only saw their own souls reflected back, and not the angel's appearance. It was like looking into a soul mirror. Lucius wasn't sure why that was. He had been told that the more undesirable souls were unworthy to lay eyes on the angel's true form, but Lucius strongly suspected there was another reason, such as self-reflection of the soul. It seemed to him that it was more important for the soul to see itself versus the angel. And right now, this man was a seeing an unimaginable horror, or rather, a horror only he could imagine. A picture is worth a thousand words, is it not? Lucius said, smiling. He was referencing the fact that the man had been in the process of trying to set up a fake photoshoot of a celebrity's marital affair so he could sell it to a newspaper. The story he was going to sell was a complete lie. Lucius smiled wider. This guy had a partner on the plane, a model. He needed to find her. The man tried to scream again. Oh stop it. It's useless, Lucius said, shooing the man away. All around the man's shadows came alive, sucked the man down, and then he was gone. Bye, Lucius said, pulling his red cloak hood up, and looking around for the man's partner. He had something special in mind for her. He couldn't remember the last time anyone, aside from another angel, had seen him for himself. It had to have been at least 3,000 years. For most humans the reflection was that of a beloved relative who had passed away such as the woman earlier who had mistaken the archangel for her beloved father. For humans like this man he was sometimes viewed as a horrible zombie-like creature, a hideous dehydrated mummy, or if he was personally angry with the person, a charred burned figure. The best or worst transformation, depending on one's point of view, was a molten tornado of hellfire that flattened into a whirlpool before sucking the soul down to the angels of judgment. The only thing he knew for sure was that the individuals who saw him at his worst would not be going to the lake of fire or eternal darkness, but someplace much worse. He called it special hell, not that it actually had a name. While it was true that the entire lot was just plain hell. 
There was something about the simplicity of the name that seemed to leave off the full dynamics of the place reserved for the worst souls, and so special hell it was. Ultimately, he figured people get out of death only what they put into life. Some things you can bank and take with you. Whether or not it was wanted, was a whole other matter for discussion. He looked out at the Libyan desert with its rising sun highlighting the browns, beiges, and reds that made up the landscape. The beauty was a stark contrast to the mayhem caused by the crash. Hey, look at this one, Rubius called from a few feet away, pulling Lucius away from enjoying the view. He stepped over a burning piece of airplane seat. Lying there, next to Rubius, was a young woman who had once been very pretty. Because of the crash she was burned so badly that she had pieces of charred bone exposed where her skin used to be. Amazingly, she still had a slight glow of life about her. It was the model who had been with the screaming man. He smiled. What do you think? Six feet? Rubius said, trying to guess her height. She seems really tall for a woman. Lucius shrugged. She is American, he said, noticing her Greek and Native American bone structure. Rubius leaned over her, cocking his eyebrow. Strange. How is it she still has a glow? I am not detecting any life here, Lucius said, also leaning over her. If we are here, her soul should be ready for us. Yet, this one clung to the charred remains of her body, as if there were a slight chance she would heal and get on with her life. He didn't even notice the double-take that Rubius just gave him. Seeing a soul in this condition sparked a distant memory for Lucius. The glow was so rare that he had never actually seen it himself. He had only heard tales from other angels, but not in more than 5,000 years. He would have to look it up, because he knew this one was destined for the lake of fire, yet something in her glowed pure enough that the harshness of this judgment confused him. Something out of the ordinary had happened to her during her life, aside from being shot out of the sky. He looked up at brightening blue of the sky. Rubius smiled at him. There are many different reasons for an afterglow. Maybe she has not figured out that she is dead yet, or maybe she was up to something and is relieved that she died before she got to accomplish it, so the purity of her repentance is showing through. He shrugged, or, perhaps she has some unfinished business and she is so focused on completing it that death is a secondary priority. I ran into that once, but there was no glow. The soul got up and continued trying to kill the one who had killed him. We will have to change her priorities for her. At that, he bent over the woman, and poked at her leg but nothing happened. He stood up and propped his hands on his hips. She's a fighter. Jin? Lucius asked, referencing a rare condition that most living people referred to as a genie. She did not seem Jin to him, but it was the only comparison he could think of. Rubius answered with a shrug that seemed to indicate he was still clueless. Most Jin answered directly to the angel of death who took them. Neither of us have ever taken one. Lucius nodded. Maybe it's her way of asking? Whether or not a soul was placed in Jin's service was solely at the discretion of the angel of death taking them. Due to the stigma of Jin, it was rare for an angel to grant this ultimate favor to a soul. This woman was assigned to Rubius, who did not take on genies. Because he was the arch and he had so many other responsibilities he could not devote himself to supervising or training a djinn. But as the under-arch, Lucius wasn't in any position to take one either. Lucius was also very leery about djinn because they were notoriously unpredictable, and particularly talented in twisting word meanings. On more than one occasion they had been vicious creatures, even to those who did nothing to deserve their ire. Why an angel would grant djinn service to a soul was beyond his comprehension, or at least it had been until now. They were difficult to supervise. They required micromanaging, which ultimately meant for Lucius that they required too much time. They could easily push their wishmasters in the wrong direction, a direction they would not have taken if not for the genie's influence. This brought up the difficult argument of who the subsequent sin belonged to, the genie or the person who was pushed into an unmaneuverable situation? Jin was supposed to be a third chance, but ever since Lucius could remember, only fourteen, had moved on into the white light or had been promoted to angel. The others were usually sent to eternal darkness because of their predatory nature. Out of the entire group only seven were still in service, and they were mostly younger ones. The youngest was merely 200 years old, whereas the oldest was nearly 2600 years. He didn't like dealing with them, but some of his assigned angels supervised genie so on occasion he was required to intervene. If he had to intervene too much, he would send the djinn on so as not to have the continued interruption of order. He smiled as he remembered something about the stories of the glow from his days as a cherub nearly 9,000 years ago. The Archangel of Death, the one prior to Rubius, had found an angel by trusting the glow. Not only that, but this found angel had stayed with the Death Battalion until she had finally moved on to light along with the former Arch. 
Not that memories explain why this particular woman was glowing, it just seems to indicate a certain level of loyalty could be expected. And maybe, it could push the odds of the gamble he was about to take into his favor. He shifted his thoughts back to Genie's. Although the chance of deceit was high, he knew they could also be kind and thoughtful. Another fact, no one could teach valuable lessons more thoroughly than a genie. Ultimately the purpose of these lessons was to open the minds of both master and genie to a better way of living, resulting in a better death for both of them. In fact, one of his longtime friends was the longest-serving genie, Darius. Then he got an idea. He definitely needed to take this woman. If his memory was true, she could be the answer to a long unanswered prayer that he heard someone constant pray. Do you mind if I have her? Lucius asked, reaching for her leg. Go right ahead. Rubius shrugged a third time, smiling as he moved on to a couple who were still embraced and belted into their seats. He touched them and the white light took their souls on together. They hadn't even noticed the arch. Lucius pulled hard at the woman's soul, and was beginning to feel defeated. What? Do you really want to lay here forever in the desert and become the haunted plain tourist attraction? Finally, he wrestled her free of her body. Indeed, she was six feet tall, her long black hair curling slightly around her pale, heart-shaped face. Her large dark brown eyes focused on him before closing as she went limp, completely unaware that passing out was only a residual memory, and not actually possible anymore. He grinned, maybe she would do alright. There is nothing wrong with being horrified by what was happening at the moment. It is alright, he said, and patted her on the back between the shoulder blades. It is just a bit overwhelming right now. Rubius glanced over at him with a puzzled look on his face. I have never seen you show such compassion to anyone. He squinted at her. You know, she bears a remarkable resemblance to. I know who she looks like. It only confirms she'll be a good fit for this assignment, Lucius said, vanishing with a woman. Darius sat in his deck chair on the balcony of his Dubai high-rise condo overlooking the Persian Gulf. He was the only namesake left to King Darius, given that his father had named him after the King of Persia. He, like his father, had been a member of the court of King Darius, the third king of the Achaemenid Empire. Not that anyone remembered or cared about the empire in these modern times. But still, it felt good to him to remember his once grand life. His appearance was different for an early Persian. First, he was unusually tall for an ancient, probably because he had access to better food than the peasants. His straight black hair was cut uncharacteristically short, for his time frame, but circumstances in his life had caused this change necessary. The fact was about four months before he died, one of his children had picked up lice. In order to eliminate the infestation the whole family had to shave their heads to get rid of it. He never allowed himself to think about his children anymore, it was too painful. He shoved the thought out of his mind as he forced himself to stop running his fingers through his hair. After he died it was one drama master after another. The ingrates never appreciated a decent wish executed to their specifications. He half huffed and half smirked. With any luck, he could avoid them for a few months and just stare at the sea. The condo in Dubai was the best home he had since he was a living child, safe in his father's house. He planned to stay here for as long as the peace would hold out, which he hoped would be a very long time. Since becoming a genie he had only had four homes, one in eastern China near the East China Sea, one by the Black Sea, one in southern France with a view of the Atlantic, and then finally here in Dubai on the Persian Gulf. He was assigned to, and had worked in, the Americas for at least the last 1500 years. The Native Americans in the area he frequented thought he was an evil coyote spirit sent to torment them. Perhaps he was, who knew for sure why he still existed. But once the colonists from Europe arrived his life got more interesting. One had accidentally wished a whole settlement away. He smiled at the memory of it being the last wish and the master's realization that he couldn't undo it. He settled further into his chair. It was great to lounge here and watch the sun come up, only five more hours to wait. He ran his finger over the fine beechwood deck chair. He had taken two of them from the deck of the Titanic before it sank. They were still in near pristine condition, twice he had to wish the dry rot away. That was before he decided to buy conditioners for them, and maintain the deck chairs manually rather than wishing them back to pristine condition. It was good to do actual work even though wishing was easier and less time-consuming. He had found over the years that too much wishful thinking could lead to slothfulness. It was really over the top when a genie turned so lazy that he couldn't even fathom walking anymore because it became too much effort. Several genie friends had reached this point more than 200 years ago. They distinctly reminded Darius of the pictures that humans drew of genies, with a smoky tail instead of legs and feet. The image was so strong in society that on at least two occasions he had turned his legs to smoke in order to convince people he was, in fact, a genie. 
No, Darius, you aren't just a genie, you are the quintessential one. He smiled to himself as he wished for the only physical pleasure a genie was allowed, a drink, in this case, a vanilla cappuccino. It instantly appeared in his left hand. No point in having to work all the time. He sipped it as he leaned the rest of the way back into his chair. He thought back to the time when he acquired these chairs. The Titanic wish had been one of his best wishes to date. Who would have ever thought that someone would actually wish to rearrange deck chairs on the Titanic, just hours before it sank? He smiled, of course, she had not actually said those words but he loved it when he could manipulate a wish into some fun. He patted the chair, at least it had been fun for him. She had wished for an adventure on a great and luxurious ocean liner. She neglected to include a ticket in her wish, and the result was the choice of the brig or deck duty to pay for a steerage ticket. She also forgot to include a return date for this adventure, hence Darius' choice of the Titanic. She had tried to wish her way out of the doomed voyage, but the trip had been her final wish, so he had simply waved goodbye, grabbed two deck chairs, and then wished himself safe at his home, which was in southern France at the time. The resident genie had complained about Darius using her people as playthings. He had been in deep trouble over the incident, but it had been worth it. Now, the once wandering genie just rested on his backside, buffing his deck chairs. He very rarely ventured outside his condo, let alone the building. It wasn't worth the ire of the angels to risk running into the locals again. You still have those old things? The dark voice of Lucius came from the living room, which in this climate and culture should have been an extension of the balcony's splendor. But not in Darius' house. Lucius gently set the woman down on the couch and looked around as if expecting to see something new. As usual, there was nothing new. Has anyone ever suggested to you that your obsession with minimalism is has been taken to new heights? He only had four pieces of furniture, the two deck chairs, which he was found in, a Moroccan couch, which reminded him more of a bed than a couch, and a folding Korean dinner table that had short, stubby legs so one could sit on the floor and dine. He stifled a sigh. Lucius, he greeted. But if the under-archangel was here, something was up. Why a being that did not eat had a dinner table was beyond Lucius' comprehension, he said, frowning at the table. You would have me clutter up my space with a bunch of stuff? Not that I foster the idea of having too many things, but at least a side table for your cappuccinos might be useful. Draperies, on the other hand, are everywhere. I will bet you have at least $500,000 in drapes. There were even some you have acting as room dividers, which is useful since you never bothered to have the walls in the condo constructed. You basically left it a big cement room, despite the fact that you could have wished anything you wanted in here. You could have wished your home into a showplace, but instead, you have gone with the plain prison walls look accented with old, outdated, Persian palace draperies. It speaks volumes about who you really are a mismatched nothing, but you would never admit that to yourself, would you? Darius smiled, as he patted the armrest of his chair. Best chairs ever, and since I am nearly 2600 years old that is saying something. And for the record. He was about to say something else, but stopped mid-thought, as he noticed the unconscious young lady lying on his 300-year-old Moroccan couch. She was wearing a grey and black suit, with a very short skirt and his senses went on immediate alert. Something about her was very dangerous, and he didn't like it. Who who no, no strays. He said, pointing at the woman and shaking his finger. He did not move from the comfort of his chair and tried to appear cool, but it was all he could do to keep from jumping up and making her leave. Lucius gave him a cockeyed look, I find your lack of movement encouraging. If you were truly wanting her gone, you would have teleported off with her with the intent of leaving her in some remote area. Not that I wouldn't have immediately found you. He folded his arms. I haven't ruled that out. Darius, Lucius clicked his tongue. You know that trying to play hide and seek with an angel of death was like trying to go unseen while running naked down the field during the Super Bowl. So, please let any so-called bright ideas drain from your mind now. He spiraled his left hand in a downward motion. I don't need, he pointed over his shoulder at the woman, that thing on my couch. Lucius ignored his last statement. You like mementos of your boundaries? He asked, floating over, and taking a seat next to Darius in the empty deck chair, patting the armrail to it. Darius stared at him unafraid. He like other non-angels, did not see Lucius in his true form. What he saw instead was his large dark and dehydrated figure as it filled the entire deck chair with almost a foot of overhang for his legs. You know, with your seven and a half foot tall form, human furniture never fits you comfortably. He sipped at his cappuccino, before glancing at Lucius out of the corner of his eye. I did not kill her, she was right next to a lifeboat when the iceberg hit, he said, patting the arm rail to his own chair, before glancing over at the woman. She was really pretty.
he recollected himself, and glared at Lucius. What is that doing here? He pointed with his thumb. Lucius smirked. Choosing to ignore Darius' glare, he stuck with the original topic, all right, but, a, the iceberg did not hit the Titanic, it was the other way around. Really, you make it sound as though the iceberg pursued the ship. B, Master almost died from exposure when they tossed her out of the lifeboat once they discovered she had been a stowaway. And C, if I had not shown up when I did she, indeed, would have died from exposure, he said, with more than a hint of disappointment. Darius would have held his breath if he were able. Genies were not, under any circumstances, allowed to decide the time of death for anyone. This was solely the Archangel of Death's responsibility and he did not take kindly to anyone doing his job for him. Which explained why people who committed suicide went directly into the molten gravel pit for pickaxe duty until their actual time of death came. Murder victims, on the other hand, waited in the garden with the angels, until judgment angels came for them. He held his stoic ground. If Lucius wanted him gone he would be. But they both were sitting here talking, and since it had been years since Darius had a master Lucius couldn't be here on official business could he? He glanced over at the woman. He turned his attention back to the angel. It's not my problem she was such a shrew they tossed her overboard. She shouldn't have started fighting with the guy rowing, maybe, then he would not have exposed her as a stowaway, Darius said, again glancing at the woman lying on his couch. She had long pretty, jet black hair and very pale skin. But then most dead people did, even if they were a person of color. In fact, it had taken nearly three weeks for Darius' skin tone to return to its normal tan shade. You know better than anyone that genies cannot allow the death of their master. Yet the Titanic was not your most recent brush with causing the near death of your master, was it? Lucius folded his arms. Remember John wishing for the rabbits, the ones you wished into his possession that were infested with fleas which were further infested with bubonic plague? Only you could, or would, make the phrase killer bunnies actually sound like a weapon of mass destruction. You know, that is exactly what bothers your supervising angel, Bethanthony so much, he said, staring at Darius with his horrible mummified, black eyes. I know you can be a tricky person to drop in on with strangers. He raised a rotten eyebrow at Darius, who just sat there. Apparently, the revolt and subsequent invasion of Persia by Babylon, followed up by being dragged to your untimely death by enemy horses, has turned you off unannounced visits. His tone trailed up as if asking a question. Darius sipped his drink, ignoring the trip down memory lane. Cat, got your tongue. Lucius smiled, referring to the fact that Darius' human body had been left to the alley cats. It was a low blow. To add to your shame, genies are dressed in whatever they die in. In order to change clothes, you have to wish your death imprinted clothes away, but even that is only temporary. It must take a lot of concentration to maintain this wonderfully, distinguished ensemble. He eyed Darius up and down, giving him the feeling of being underdressed in his own home. At the time of his death, Darius had been dragged from his bed in the middle of the night, long before pajamas became the rage, his issue was just the opposite from what other genies have to deal with. Luckily for Lucius and the woman, he had taken the time to wish his favorite outfit on, turquoise Bermuda shorts and Hawaiian shirt with ridiculously colorful tropical flowers on it. I have seen you in that outfit since 1938, Lucius also, again, glancing back at the woman. All right, no more distractions. Dead girl off the couch, Darius demanded, snapping his fingers and pointing out toward the gulf, as if genie magic would work against an angel. Lucius smirked and then sighed. Her name is Paige. She was a behind-the-scenes tabloid minx. The sort the paparazzi were proud to call their own. Her plane was shot down over the Libyan desert, 321 souls were taken well, 322 if you include Paige. I was talking with the arch and thought perhaps she could be trained in the way of the djinn. She basically has a good heart. She simply suffered a brief lapse in judgment too close to the end of her life. You will just have to discover the rest of her story on your own, he said, offering a rotten, toothy grin. Darius narrowed his eyes at Lucius. I have never known you to have mercy on anyone. Why not just send her on to her reward, he said with more than a hint of sarcasm, before getting up and walking over to her. She was really quite pretty. No, not just pretty, extraordinarily beautiful, and strangely familiar. Where did he know her from? He leaned over to look at her. Is she local Dubai? She looks like she could be. Lucius teleported from the chair to stand next to Darius. He took Darius' zebra skin throw off the edge of the couch and covered Paige, who was still shivering a bit. Half Shawnee, and half Greek, or more simply put American. Oh come on. Darius said, snatching the throw off. You're an angel of death. Surely you have sent people on to their reward before? 
Why not just molten whirl o not o her, or something? He twirled his arm in the air to demonstrate the tornado. Why the sudden reluctance to do your job and start tucking people in? Besides, you know full well that genies can't feel temperature, it is just a reflection of what she remembers, and only because you touched her with your freezing self. Angels were the only beings who could have a profound physical effect on a genie, aside from another genie. Perhaps, I can take both of you in the so-named whirl, oh, Nato. But then that would condemn her forever when you are the only one being difficult here. I think she would be a good genie, and, since there are only seven of you left, your ranks could use some bolstering. Darius frowned, as he folded his zebra throw and tossed it on his little table. See it's good for holding my throw. I had hoped that you would take on this training assignment, in an effort to get back into good graces with Bethanthony. Although you do not seem to care what she thinks, which I find quite puzzling, since she is the only thing standing between you and a long swim in the lake of fire, Lucius said, frowning, and then pointing at the throw, what were you carrying about not feeling temperature? Training rookies is not my issue, and Bethanthony is, well, Bethanthony, he said, crossing his arms, trying to balance his cappuccino. You know, if you spill it, you can wish it clean, and then wish another into your hand. Darius shrugged, so, throw all agility and coordination out the window dash 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 because I can. And I am not the training official, so I am not dealing with her. Ahem, since you are the most experienced genie we have, that, indeed, makes you the gin training coordinator. So, I am going to ignore that last remark as an extraordinarily naive deflection from an otherwise intelligent individual. Lucius reached over and took Darius' cappuccino, downing the rest of it in one gulp, and then expertly dropping the cup through a tiny black hole that he opened up and closed. You have got to be kidding me, really, dude? You just made that up, he said, immediately wishing a full cup into his hand. The woman stirred a bit. What happened? You died, and I am trying to talk Darius into taking you on as a genie's apprentice, Lucius said, explaining as if he were reporting the stock quotes of the day, and not informing someone of their death. Wah! She said, trying to stand up, but she looked like she thought the room started spinning, so she sat back down. You died, Darius said, with a growing impatience. He nearly spilled his fresh cappuccino by trying to motion with both hands for Lucius to get rid of her. There was something about her that was unsettling. Not in a bad way, but in a way that told him the angels were changing his genie's agreement. He did not want his so-called contract to change. He was happy with the way things were. I am not dead. I am talking to you, she said, sounding very groggy. She wiped at her eyes and put her hands down. What's wrong with my eyes? Suddenly, she opened them wide staring at Lucius, and then screamed, Oh my god! Satan has come for me! She nearly bit her fingers as she let out another higher-pitched scream. Lucius sighed, It's Lucius, not Lucifer, he huffed. And, as an angel of death, you only see in me what is inside you. He looked stumped, How does Bethanthony have the patience to deal with genies? I cannot tell you how tempted I am to send you both on to your so-called rewards. Why will you not simply cooperate without being forced? Darius spoke to Paige first. You don't actually have eyes, you are still adjusting to death. Oh Lucy, please just send her on to her reward, he begged, knowing he was starting to sound a bit desperate. Why was she so familiar? He wanted to ask but was afraid of the answer. Lucius was not known for his diplomacy when having to restate what he thought should be obvious. The Archangel and I do not think she needs eternal darkness, or the lake of fire. She can learn the way of the jinn. You can teach her, and you will both be better for it, Lucius said, sounding rather bristled at being called Lucy. You are also aware that only the Archangel calls me that, and that was only because the two of us have known each other since we were cherubs, thousands of years ago. Oh, okay, under Archangel Lucius, Darius said, folding his arms and tossing the coffee away. That is under Archangel of Death, as in Bethanthony's supervisor. Further as in, the decider of your continued existence on this plane. You are training her, he pointed at Paige, and that is final. I am not dead. I can touch you, Paige stated, pulling at Lucia's black cloak. It's so strange. The color was so black that it's hard to see it. Almost like a black crystal. She pressed against her face. It's soft, like a fine silk fabric that would have cost several hundred dollars a yard. How much was this? You cannot buy one. And, you can touch me because I am an angel. You may also touch Darius here, simply because you are both genies. You may not touch, or be touched by a human you will pass through. You may touch things, but you have to think about it otherwise you will just pass through them much like a ghost, Lucius explained. Wait, I have not agreed to anything. You cannot play that word game with me, 
Just calling us both genies, Darius said, using the same pompously correct word formation and angelic accent that Lucius normally used. As far as he was concerned Lucius could find another genie to train her. He knew there were others who were experienced enough to do it. Lucius folded his arms and snorted hard enough for small flames to come out his nose. Are you being deliberately difficult? You know I can force the issue, but we both know it would be better for everyone if you just came to your senses, he said folding both arms under his cloak, making him even more ominous. Paige stood up, letting go of the cloak, and looked out the giant wall of open windows and doors with their billowing draperies. She walked over to the edge of the balcony and leaned on the rail, squinting, as if that would explain where she was. Where am I? Dubai, and this is Darius, Jin training coordinator, he said offering a sideways grin. I'm trying to convince him to take you on as an apprentice. This will save you from what I am supposed to do with you, Lucius said, with an unnatural calm. Perhaps I should just send both of you on and forget the whole thing? He took a deep breath, attempting to calm himself and avoid becoming a charred mess in front of everyone. But, I do not think that would be the correct thing to do. Do, they, she whispered, either ignoring or not understanding what Lucius just explained. Am I supposed to be in Dubai? Is that right? Wasn't I supposed to be headed for New Delhi? I haven't taken an apprentice in, well, about 200 years. What makes you think I am up for that? Darius objected. He was perfectly content with the way things were, which was probably why Lucius had brought her here in the first place. Angels liked to mix things up and usually just after he got comfortable with who he was, where he was, and what he was doing. But there was something in her voice that made him want to listen to it for hours on end, something soothing and familiar. He couldn't remember where he had heard her voice before. He was afraid of change, and this was going to be a massive one. Even with all his experience, he was no match for the 9,000-year-old under Archangel of Death. Whatever Lucius was up to, he was along for the ride. What? If I am dead how can I be an apprentice to anything? I am still not convinced I am dead. Have I been kidnapped? She asked, folding her arms and leaning hard on her left hip, tapping her spiked, high heel on the floor. Kidnapped? Are you kidding? Darius said, with more than a hint of sarcasm. He walked over and pushed her up and over the railing. She screamed and screamed, flailing her arms and legs about, completely unaware that she was not falling. If her heels were not permanently imprinted on her feet they surely would have been sent flying. Finally, she seemed to run out of interest in screaming. He had to laugh at her because her screaming just seemed to fade away as if she got bored with it instead of realizing that she was not falling. Maybe she would not be too bad to train. She might even provide a good laugh. Honestly. Lucius exclaimed in a low gravelly voice, you, are, embarrassing, me. He grabbed her ankle, and pulled her back onto the balcony, while Darius leaned lazily on the railing, chuckling. Wait a minute. She said, rubbing the spot on her ankle where Lucius grabbed her. You froze my foot. It is freezing, like someone flash froze it. She stopped rubbing it, and looked up at Lucius. He said you were going to toss me into a dark, lake of flaming, darkness. She stood and darted over to hide behind Darius. Lucius teleported across the room to stand directly next to her. You cannot outrun me. No one can, even those who killed you and the others will not escape me when the time comes. You really are quite hysterical at the moment, because I believe I said I was trying to avoid tossing you into eternal darkness or the lake of fire. And, I point out, that you just ran to hide behind the ever-so-charming genie who proved you were dead by tossing you over the balcony on the 42nd floor. I don't want to be dead. I want to go home. I want to be alive again, Paige said, now sounding as hysterical as she was acting. Why can't I remember where home is, or whether or not I have a family? How come I vividly remember being on the plane, and being on assignment? I was flying from London to New Delhi, with a stopover in Tripoli. Do I live in London? Why was I going to New Delhi? Darius giggled, you don't, live, anywhere. You're dead. You most certainly may not return to your body. You should have seen the mangled state of it. Absolutely not, Lucius said, as if he were telling a small child that she could not have a candy at the checkout. When your time is up, it is up. And trust me, if you saw it, you would not want to go back to it. Why do I have to be in a burning lake of darkness? If it is on fire, how is it dark? She asked, trying to sound steady, but she sounded like a hysterical person. Why can't I remember anything? Why can I remember my name was Paige Louise Ambrosia, but beyond that I do not remember anything except the flight details? I left London and was flying to New Delhi. Where did I live? Where did I go to school? What language did I speak? During your life you caused deceit to prosper. 
That is listed as a forbidden behavior. Lucius folded his arms. And if you really want to know what the lake is like I can show you, he said matter of fact, as he checked his fingernails. They were quite horrible, broken, and jagged. He sighed. The trip is normally a one-way ticket to damnation, hellfire, brimstone, etc. However, the circumstances and events leading up to the reason you almost committed the act you did leads me to believe that you would be a very good genie. Hold on, I know I didn't report lies hey. I was a reporter. And, I think I am fine with the lake remaining a mystery, Paige said, straightening her short, leather skirt and then defensively folding her arms. Darius smiled at her. She was obviously still reeling by what just happened to her. Lucius laughed, to Paige it all sounded horribly frightening, but she still stood her ground, which impressed Darius. Lucius shook his long skeletal finger at her. Oh no, you did much worse than that. You reported half-truths and let people draw their own wrong conclusions. You also provided an avenue for people to happily lie to themselves. Not only that, but you personally prospered over it in the form of a paycheck. That, Paige, makes all the self-told lies your sin, and yours alone. He paused for a moment and he made a presenting motion to accentuate her expensive clothing. Designer suit jacket $2,300, leather vest $559, $300 scalloped edge bra, leather skirt $1,200. 24-karat gold and emerald cobra pin $4,500, and 4.5-inch strappy platform heels at a mere $1,900, he huffed, returning his arms to his cloak. Well, at least that was the main damning offense among others prostitution, causing family arguments, engaging in evil plots, and so on, he said, sounding very bored, as he eyed the outfit up and down. It appeared to dawn on her that this was indeed the proverbial it. So, the next few minutes, or possibly seconds, will decide my fate for eternity. If Darius refuses to train me, there's no more second chances? She looked like she wanted to burst into tears. I can't cry, she said, rubbing her eyes vigorously. Because you're dead, Darius exclaimed, rolling his eyes hard. She walked over and sat down on the titanic deck chair that Lucius had vacated. Once curled up in it she seemed awfully small in comparison to Lucius. Darius stared at her for a moment. It felt extremely comfortable and safe to be around her. There was something about her that made him want to please her. Anyway, Lucius said, pompously reorganizing his robes, before becoming more serious with Darius. I wanted you to know that her ability to twist words and manipulate meaning is already very well established. She would be easy to train, because in her life she has already mastered the basics. She would just need a bit of direction and using it to teach humans as individuals. Then Lucius walked over to her. Do not worry, you will not have to go to the lake or the darkness. The fact that Darius has not really taken his eyes off of you since I pulled her back over the railing means he would take you on as an apprentice. It was just a matter of getting past the initial no. Hopefully, I could get two, or maybe even three, problems cleared up with just one apprentice. Furthermore, if I am a blessed with extraordinary luck there will be a special gift at the end of all this, one that will be the answer to the largest conundrum I am facing. What could possibly be upheaving an angel of death? Darius asked. Lucius shrugged, super secret angel business. Paige ran her finger along the side of the deck chair. Is this a chair from the Titanic? She asked, tracing the white star, logo stamped into the beechwood. Lucius smiled, showing all of his rotted teeth. The Titanic story is one of Darius' favorite wishes, next to the one master who wished for Blackbeard's treasure, which was another brush with death since the treasure was currently at the bottom of the ocean. Darius nodded, as he offered a toothy grin. Yes, someone wished to rearrange deck chairs on the Titanic, so I took the opportunity to salvage these two before the ship sank. I must admit I did put the logo on myself, since they were originally just plain deck chairs. I thought they needed to be remembered. Lucius took two steps backward, and wrapped his cloak tightly around himself in a futile attempt to look smaller and melt into the background. She stood and moved the chair over one way and then back as if trying to recreate the wish. Making a face, she asked, who in their right mind would wish for that? There are a hundred things I could think of if I had a wish, not being on a plane that was shot down or on a sinking ship would be at the top of my list. Darius laughed, she didn't actually wish to rearrange deck chairs. She wished for a luxury liner trip. What she forgot to include was a return date, and she neglected to ask for a ticket. She became an indentured servant. Her job was to keep chairs arranged for the first-class passengers. Paige half snorted and half giggled, did she die? Nearly, Lucius prevented it, Darius said, pointing directly at Lucius. Lucius sighed. So much for his attempt to disappear unnoticed. 
Even though genies cannot kill they can make it very difficult to live. Most genies, who grant someone a death wish, wait to make sure they confirm the time of death first. This way they avoid trouble with their supervising angel, or more importantly the archangel of death, he said, glancing hard at Darius, who shrugged and tried to smile innocently. So when your time is up, it is up. What did she learn? She asked turning her back to Darius and facing Lucius. She looked him up and down. It was obvious she was trying to hold her composure and not gawk at him. Coveting is bad. Darius answered. And, I will have her as an apprentice. So, no flaming darkness? She asked Lucius looking more demure than she had since she awoke. Still, something about the way he said I will have her, makes me nervous. Not yet, and it would be either eternal darkness, or the lake of fire. However, I will mention the flaming darkness to the Archangel of Justice, if you think you would prefer such a thing, Lucius said, offering a particularly unnerving grin. I am positive it can be arranged. He can be very flexible. She knitted her brow and scowled as she shook her head. Well, I think you are perfect for the job, so much so that I think there is one wish master who will be doomed if you cannot master the ability to grant wishes. Darius, show her the wisest wish first. That is my favorite way to start off. Genies who learn that first do better than the others. Some basic word definitions might also be useful. In an uncharacteristic move, he flipped his bony hands at Darius as if to hurry him up. Get on with it. Darius glanced at Lucius with one eyebrow raised high, before smiling at Paige. Genies always decide how to interpret the words. You can have a lot of fun with it. For example, is it part of the same wish or a separate wish? One is also great fun, because it is a synonym of the word wish. That is a good way to get someone to waste their wishes, which brings me to that. Now, there is a word you can have some awesome fun with. Do you have any idea how many that's are in your line of sight? That could be anything. A pair of gloves, garbage, or my personal favorite, some sort of poop. There is also the ever-popular whatever, along with over there, which I usually interpret to be a deserted island and much further away than over here. And the wonderful phrase, just get it done, because then they don't care how you finish the job. You can just use your imagination, he said quickly, as he offered a satisfied grin. Lucius shook his head. Obviously, Darius loves being a genie and finds it great fun, which was probably why Bethanthony found him so frustrating. Paige snorted, sounds like you would need a good attorney before making wishes? A look of satisfaction spread across Lucius's face. Nope, I have granted wishes to some of the best attorneys in history, and they are easy targets for a seasoned genie. He rubbed his hands together while sporting a maniacal smile. Always with the ands, shalls, and that beautiful word may which means I get to choose whether or not to do it. Way too easy. The harder they try to box the wish in, the smaller their own box becomes. Come on, I'll show you the best wish anyone can make. Darius said, taking her by the shoulder and helping her back through the door. Paige felt a bit shocked when they stepped onto a sunny Chicago street instead of back into Darius' living room. As long as I am away from that thing. I don't care. Lucius can be daunting. Darius snapped his fingers. And, trust me, I know it's hard to appreciate him at times, but he is the reason you aren't actually burning in hell right now. He changed clothes and was now wearing a suit that complimented Paige's outfit. She had to giggle at him, you look like a pimp. Really? He pointed at her chest. She looked down, as she remembered what the angel said about her clothes. The heels she had dyed and that made her six foot four. She liked being tall, but not that tall. Why was she wearing these platform heels at the airport? Who did that? It was an insane amount of walking for these shoes, and nothing about her flight out of Heathrow Airport was curbside or even a gate that was close to the security checkpoint. There was only one thing these shoes and this skirt were good for, and it was not the sort of Wall Street business the jacket seemed to represent. Then her favorite golden cobra pin with the emerald eyes on her lapel, pinned strategically to draw eyes to the scalloped top edge of the bra that peeked out over her leather vest. She couldn't even be offended that he was looking down her bra. For that matter, she couldn't even tell if he was looking down her shirt or at the pin. Then she remembered something, that caused her tearless eyes to burn like she wanted to cry. That pin was the last gift her father had bought her before he passed away last year. Was it last year? Could it be longer? What on earth was doing in this getup? Perhaps she didn't want to know or remember. She squinted in the waning sunlight I wish I died with my sunglasses on. Instantly her gold-colored Gucci sunglasses appeared perfectly placed on her nose. Not quite getting the hang of it? You know you don't actually need sunglasses. You don't really have eyes, Darius said, smiling. The street around them was very busy. 
there were some high-rise housing projects about six blocks away, and an L platform down the street in the opposite direction. Welcome to Chicago. He fanned his arms out, as if she had never been to Chicago. But then, had she been? It didn't look familiar to her. It wasn't popping into her memory like her cobra pin. Perhaps, but these happened to look very hot, she said unfazed by his criticism regarding her eyes. She tipped them, and winked a very dark brown eye at him. By the look in his eyes, he nearly melted. She smiled, as she remembered that with her looks, men were very easy to play with. It seemed to be second nature to woo them into getting anything she wanted. He would be an easy target if she decided to turn the tables on him for throwing her off the balcony. Yes, they do. He smiled. You know, there is something very familiar about you that I just cannot place. I have never met a genie, she shrugged, so, how long have you been one, she asked, looking down the road toward the L train platform. Almost 2600 years, he answered, also looking down the street like he was waiting for someone he knew. You aren't going to start asking a lot of useless questions? Wow, did you know Jesus? What? No. Do you think I would be here if I did? He asked. Look, there'll be a time for wish stories later when I will gladly brag about my ability to wish people into obnoxious situations, but the look he was giving her suggested he didn't really want her to know about them. Oh, you are afraid it would give me the wrong impression about you, she smiled, or perhaps the right one? He pursed his lips together sighing. I didn't know Jesus, or Buddha, or whomever. I suppose not, she said, looking around at the neighborhood. This did not seem to be a safe place to be. The surrounding buildings seemed dirty and uncared for. Gang graffiti marked almost every inch of free space that was within arm's reach. Then her thoughts quickly shifted to another question and she turned to Darius and opened her mouth to ask it. Darius paused, and stared at her suspiciously, as he folded his arms, I didn't know Muhammad either. Okay, she said, holding up her hands as if to surrender. It just seems odd that someone your age didn't at least check out some of the big dogs in history. Big dogs? Like Great Danes. I wonder what a dog would wish for. Treats? She giggled. Larger than life historical dash dash humans. And big dogs are people who are in charge. I knew King Darius thought, you know, from the book of Daniel in the Bible? I guess he would be a big dog. My father named me after him. My family had been part of the royal court for many decades. I was a royal scribe. My brother even married a princess, and my older sister married the king's son Cyrus. He was my favorite brother-in-law. If I had a son, I would have named him after Cyrus. If I knew the Bible, do you suppose I would be here? She answered. She was using the same tone he had just used with her, and she was tapping her foot with folded arms. I suppose not, he answered, grinning, tension seemed to release from him, and again, he offered the look that suggested something was melting within him idiotic questions aside, you are already better at listening than any other genie I have ever trained. She snorted, idiotic? You mean, my thoughtfully, if not sardonic responses that are well-timed and witty. Yes, those. He smiled, and nodded. Usually a new genie takes time to adjust and mourn the loss of their lives, but you didn't seem to miss it at all. She frowned. I can't remember it? It is so strange. Like I never existed. It'll come back, little by little. Then it'll go away again. They continued to walk down the street for a few minutes when he stopped in front of a high school. Come on, let's sit and wait here. The after-school clubs are about to let out. While we are here, I may as well tell you that we are forbidden to deal with children under the age of 16. We may not grant wishes for them unless it is in the best possible interest for the child. But don't worry too much, they usually can't see us, which is probably for their own safety, and we certainly aren't going to solicit any business from them. I mean, who wants to deal with I wish dragons were real, or worse, I wish I was never born? Best to leave them alone or the guardian angels will give you a new meaning to the words pain and suffering. She cocked her jaw to the side, you mean worse that thing? Freezing me? That will seem like a nice massage, trust me, just avoid them. And watch out for the angels of justice too. They can be real bastards in every sense and meaning and meaning of that. Oh no, the worst are the angels of kindness. Phew I just hope I never met another one of those. Will do, she said walking behind him, missing the clicking sound that these shoes normally made on the sidewalk. She smiled, as obnoxious as these shoes were, she liked them. He sat on the edge of a planter with a flower garden in it. You know, I have never told that to other trainees. I have always let them figure it out for themselves. 
One of the former genies actually was sentenced to seven years of pickaxe duty at the molten gravel pit because he had mistakenly taken a 14-year-old master. He was lucky to go to the pit, and then allowed to return, it could have been worse. That's when I met the angel of kindness. He faked me into thinking he was a master, but he wasn't. Okay, so you're a dick, Paige said, making a face as she looked around. It was going to get dark soon. This is the heart of the hood. We're going to get robbed and shot. It was obvious to anyone, with even a child's street sense, that the two of them did not belong here. First off, I am not a dick. I am a genie. Second, you can't be shot. Genies are made up of a mist, granted a very thick and detailed mist, but a mist nonetheless. Like Lucius said, humans cannot touch you. Their hand, or bullet, would just pass harmlessly through you. However, when the need arises, you can touch things, you just have to think, I am picking this flower, he explained, pulling up a flower by the roots, and handing it to Paige with dirt balls still falling off of it. The school bell rang and he turned his attention toward the school, still holding the flower. Are you sure? She poked Darius in the shoulder and took the flower. Thanks, I'll treasure it always. She tossed it aside, like a dirty tissue. Not me, I am a genie too, not a human. He smiled, he was amused at how she tossed the flower away, and then he wished it back into the flower bed. I have nothing against flowers, he said, rubbing his arm where she had touched him. He looked very unsure of how to feel about the shoulder poke. Long time since a girl touched you? You look like it's a feeling that you forgot a long time ago, she said, poking his shoulder again. She'd bet if his heart was still pumping it just skipped a beat or two. She smiled and caressed his cheek. You don't have to wonder how to get me to touch you again, sweetheart just ask. The look that spread across his face was that of a lost little boy, not a manipulative genie. Where have I met you before? I know that I know you. She shook her head, I am the girl of your dreams. Now, what else do you need to tell me to avoid the ire of any of the angels? She said, using her bored voice. Let's go over the medium of exchange. He held up a credit card. They have to pay for wishes? Man, that thing really is accepted by everyone everywhere. Darius laughed. Not quite, we'd drop something of value, could be anything as long as it attracts the attention of the master. They must return it to us in order to get the wishes. Back in the day, this would sometimes be oil in a bottle, or lamp. I would drop it and they would pick it up, dust it off, and hand it back. Then it is cemented, we are bound to them until they make however many wishes we assign them, usually three. She nodded, listening intently. He held up one finger. The first wish, to mess up their lives, the second, try to fix it without giving up what they first wished for, and the third, to give up and just undo the whole thing. It seems like a waste, but people always base their wishes on their biggest temptation or vice. So, in the end they will have to tear down their own sinful desires, and psychological defenses and justifications to get everything back to good. However, in this case, we will only need one wish to demonstrate that it doesn't always go horribly wrong. He stated, now holding up three fingers. She nodded in understanding. So, you're the genie of the lamp? She felt impressed to meet such a mythical and notorious person. Still, she couldn't shake the feeling that three wishes had more to do with religion since most of them have some sort of triad. The oldest one she could think of was the Egyptian triad, Osiris, Isis, and Horus. There was also the Christian triad of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some neo-pagans had the triple goddess. Judaism and some forms of Greek myths also had a triad. It was a globally renowned and sacred number. However, Darius' explanation was probably closer to reality, given the evolution of how the wishes had been transformed over the centuries. He smiled and nodded. At your service. Although, to tell the truth, I never lived in a lamp. That just came about because people would try to dust off the lamp before returning it to me. Personally, I think they were trying to use their old ratty sleeves to steal oil. Wouldn't it soak in? Exactly, they would just rip their sleeves later to make a torch. Fabric was valuable but nowhere near the price of oil. Especially, if the clothing was old and the warm months were coming. In that case, the torch, if made correctly, was much more valuable. It all depended on the season. I must have made quite an impression. Paige sat next to him as the egressing teens came past them. Most ignored them. Only a few glared at them, but ultimately, they all passed by without incident. She noticed that he stared at the ones who could see them. It seems like they would have reacted to that but they simply moved on like they forgot they just saw someone. That one, Darius said, pointing to the young African-American man walking toward the L station. He stood and helped Paige up. When she came to a full standing position, 
They were on the L platform and not in front of the school. The young man was now walking toward them. You have got to show me how to do that, she said, smiling. Why chose him? As you noted, look at the neighborhood. He belongs here, yet he doesn't look like he belongs here. Look at how he cares for his clothes and shoes. They are clearly second-hand and are definitely teenage fashion, but are kept clean and in good shape. He wears them like an Armani suit, not a gangbanger. Meaning that he cares about what he shows other people, versus projecting the image he wants to force onto others, but at the same time projects the image that he chooses. His look doesn't inspire you to cross the street when you see him, which is also by his choice. He is clearly not up to something illegal. Maybe we can meet someone who is later so you can really understand the difference of how people behave when they fake walking down the street. Watch. He will give it back right away, Darius said with a bored smile, as he dropped the credit card on the platform. He locked arms with Paige and continued walking toward the waiting area for the train. She walked next to him trying not to stare at the young man or the credit card. Sir. Hey. You dropped something. The young man picked up the card, and skipped a bit trying to catch up to Darius. The card was outstretched in his hand, here you go. Why, thank you. How careless of me, and how kind of you Demetrius, Darius smiled, as he took the card from the young man. The train was pulling into the station making quite a racket. Do I know you? Demetrius asked, raising his voice to be heard over the train. He made a face, as he wondered if he had just heard Darius correctly. Did he just call him by his name? The train came to a stop and the doors opened. No, Darius answered, making a welcoming motion onto the train. Paige stared at the boy. How did she just know what he thought? She dismissed the thought. She was good at reading people. It wasn't hard to see the confusion at the use of the boy's name. That must be it. She hadn't read his mind. She'd just read his face. How do you know me? Demetrius asked, as he entered the train. He figured that if this guy was some sort of stalker slash lunatic he did not want to be on an empty platform with him. Again, Paige was confused she thought she could hear more than what he just said. It was confusing. It must have been the noise of the train. Darius entered behind him, you are my wishmaster. I am Darius, your genie. You may have one wish. He bowed slightly, as he took the seat across from Demetrius. Paige sat next to him, crossing her long legs and hoping the skirt was long enough to cover her in a seated position. She noticed Darius checking her thighs out. She drummed her fingers on her right thigh, and tipped her sunglasses to look at him, as if to say get on with it. He stared at her for a second like he was trying to recall where he had just left off, then he refocused on Demetrius, but he still didn't say anything. Who's your girlfriend? Demetrius nodded toward Paige and raised an eyebrow at the term wishmaster. My mother taught me that you go out and work for what you need, only lazy people wish for what they did not, or could not have. She's a genie too, but not yours, Darius explained, and then added, and she isn't my girlfriend just a friend. And motherly advice or not, you still have one wish. Just a friend? Wearing $5,000 worth of designer clothes in the projects? Demetrius noted while narrowing his eyes at Paige. He did not normally see white women dressed like her in this neighborhood. You keep up with women's fashion, do you? Paige asked. She tried to remember how much she paid for the outfit, but the figures escaped her. Hadn't she just been told how much it was by Lucius? But Darius said forgetting what happened. Maybe this was normal? Isn't the wishmaster the genie? Demetrius asked, changing the subject, and wishing they would stop talking to him. Paige had heard his wish loud and clear, she stiffened. Darius smiled, since you are trying to sort all this out, and you did me a kindness that most masters do not, I will not count the wish for me to shut up as your one wish. What? Demetrius said, trying to remember if he had wished that out loud. He was sure he had not. He eyed both of them suspiciously, pulled out a notebook from school, and began reviewing calculus notes as if they were the most interesting literature in the world. Darius stood and looked over the edge of the notebook. Since you are in charge of what to wish for, that makes you the wishmaster. I am only in charge of its execution. And there is the problem, Demetrius argued, lowering his notebook and then pointing at Darius. You are in charge of its execution, making you the true wishmaster. It is true, word interpretation is up to the genie's understanding of the word's meaning, but without the wishmaster's request there is nothing to do. Hence, you are the wishmaster, because nothing begins without your word. Darius explained, offering a charming grin. Word jacking is more like it. If that is true, then I wish that I will always have what I need, Demetrius said, folding his arms. Done, Darius snapped his fingers. Now, you are heading to meet your mother, who works at the museum.
Since you are hungry you will need some cash to pay for dinner at the museum's restaurant while you wait for her. Check your front pocket on the backpack. Darius folded his arms to match Demetrius' posture. Demetrius looked doubtful as he opened the pocket, but then stared wide-eyed at a $50 bill. It was more than enough to cover a very decent meal and tip for one person at the restaurant, instead of the snack bar that he was usually stuck with. Where did this come from? It's what you needed, is it not? Or do you need the hot dogs that have been roasted on the heat rollers for the last three hours? Darius raised an eyebrow, hoping to confirm that the wish was indeed functioning as it should. Yeah, I was getting hungry, and no, I hate those things, no no one needs them, Demetrius said, eyeing the money no differently than if it were coated in anthrax powder. Let me guess. It is counterfeit, and when I pay for dinner the police will come and get me? No, it is the real deal. You made what genies refer to as the wisest wish, the wish to have one's needs fulfilled. I assume you do not need the police to arrest you? Demetrius stared narrow-eyed in suspicious disbelief at Darius. Of course not. Who needs the 5.0? Coming down on them? He said, making a street reference to police. Robbers, Paige said, checking her manicure. Her nails were perfectly painted a deep blood-red color. She considered Darius' earlier proposal of meeting someone who was up to something illegal, maybe a robber would be fun. Robbers need to be arrested. Demetrius tilted his head and gave her a dumbfounded look. Do you think so? The wish is true, and I will prove it. Darius held out his hand. I wish Demetrius' mail from today was in my hand, an envelope appeared. Here is an interesting one, Darius said, holding up a fine white linen envelope with Notre Dame embossed on the upper left corner. That's too thin, it's a rejection. Here, I'll prove it, he said, taking the letter and ripping it open. He read the letter out loud, Dear Mr. Walton, we are pleased to inform you that we have accepted your application for a full academic scholarship, including books, meals, and dorm. His words trailed off to a whisper. A package will be arriving sometime in the next month regarding your April orientation, to prepare you for your first year as a member of the Fighting Irish Freshman class. He sat there, with his mouth gaping open as the tears began welling up in his eyes. Darius, I think he is in shock, Paige said, leaning over to wave her hand in front of Demetrius' eyes. He was unfazed as he ran his fingers over the fine linen paper with its blue and gold embossed Notre Dame letterhead. I know Notre Dame is best known for its sports, but it also has an excellent and highly esteemed engineering program. This isn't an athletic scholarship, so you needn't worry about blowing a knee out, or trying to fit studies in between practices that you aren't really interested in. What you need is to concentrate on what you are working toward. Darius pointed out, smiling as he placed emphasis on the word need. The only thing you need to do is keep your grades up. Do that, and Notre Dame is all yours, on a golden academic scholarship platter. Let them slip, it will be assumed that you don't need Notre Dame anymore. How long does this wish last? Demetrius asked. For as long as you live. You didn't wish to have what you needed for a week. You wished it for always. You said, I wish I will always have what I need, Darius explained. Not only that, but your family will benefit as well, because you need them to have their needs met too. Just beware that your need doesn't become a good-ass kicking, or an encounter with the so-called 5.0. Because the wish will always grant what is needed, regardless of whether or not you want it. I knew there was a catch, but thank you just the same, Demetrius said, smiling as he clutched the letter to his heart. Notre Dame had been one of my dreams since I started school. Now, for the first time in my life, the idea that I can study engineering at such a school is real. I first thought of MIT, but knew that was too far away from my mother. On the other hand, the University of Chicago isn't far enough away. I need. He paused and smiled, to be closer to home than MIT, but still on my own. Notre Dame is the dream school that isn't too far away or too close to my home. Darius bowed his head, well, we will leave you now to enjoy your wish, he said, standing, and taking Paige's hand he turned to leave as the train stopped and the doors opened. Instead of walking out onto the train platform Darius' living room appeared again around them. That was fast, Lucius said, as he got up from one of the deck chairs. Smart, streetwise master, Darius said, smiling. I like new genies to experience the wisest wish first because normally the wishes go horribly wrong at the master's own hands. Especially, as the genie becomes more and more skilled at making the wish lean one way or another, Lucius said, glancing hard at Darius, who attempted to offer an innocent smile. That's like me, with my reporting, Paige said feeling a sudden rush of guilt, as memories of her career began to resurface. She had slanted stories to flatter her career, and not reported what had actually occurred. Lucius was right, 
there was just enough truth added in for it to cross the line from an outright lie and into simple, plain deceit. She would have stood on better moral ground if she had simply made up complete fallacies, but she didn't. She had used the truth to build a lie, tainting that which was real and true. Exactly like you, Lucius answered, pointing a bony finger at her from beneath his now billowing black robes as a sea breeze blew in. However, you are very lucky. You do have a last second chance, thanks to Darius, because I would have had to send you on if Darius refused to train you. I do not have time to coddle a rookie genie. Otherwise, I would be gone, she said. It frustrated her that she could not cry or burst into tears. She needed to burst into tears. There was something to be said for a good cry. Oh, my dear, you would be ever so much worse than gone, Lucius said, brushing her cheek. She cringed. It felt like someone just wiped a washcloth soaked in liquid nitrogen over her cheek. It made her teeth hurt. What made her feel even worse was gazing at Lucius, because she knew he was a reflection of what was inside her. Was she really that cold? She was, she thought, as the memory came back to her of why she was dressed in this getup. It was to trap a Bollywood star in an extramarital affair so her photographer could snap a shot of them together. The star had not been having an affair, but someone as beautiful and charming as Paige would have turned any man's head, especially, dressed like she was. They only need an incriminating photograph, not an incriminating situation. The fact that she was selling her sex appeal to fabricate the story could be constituted as prostitution. That must have been what Lucius had meant by among other sins. Now she was trapped in this outfit, dressed like this forever. Her shame was physically imprinted on her soul. Her treasured cobra pin was now a symbol of the venom she had injected into the world. Sorry, I sometimes forget how I seem to others, Lucius said, apologetically, but a wicked grin spread across his face, suggested he was not sorry at all. She just stared at him trying to maintain her composure. Don't worry, Lucius' appearance will change every time you see him, Darius said, handing a warm cappuccino to Paige. He caressed her face where Lucius had touched it. She took the cappuccino and held it to her cheek, trying to push the memory of the Bollywood star out of her mind. She was glad she did not have time to succeed at trapping him. Rubius had been right, she had been up to no good, and it was good that she did not get the chance to finish the con. Lucius smirked. So, you do remember the crash. Lucius laughed to himself. Was Darius actually trying to comfort her? That was a new behavior. But the fact was, hot cappuccino wouldn't have warmed up her cheek, only another touch would, but Darius knew that when he touched her cheek. Well, I have an appointment, so I will leave you two to work out the fine print. He twisted down into the floor like a giant screwdriver was driving him in. The genies would think he was gone, but he wanted to watch them a minute. No more strays. Lucius, Darius yelled at Lucius' disappearing form. Come on, he said, leading Paige to the balcony. He smiled, as he deliberately rearranged the deck chairs, before motioning for her to sit. She smiled and winked at him as she sipped her cappuccino, and sat down on the chair. You'll have to tell me the story of how this lady wished to rearrange deck chairs on the Titanic. Oh, that was fun, Darius said, taking a seat in the empty chair. One of my better word jackings, if I do say so myself. But first, I need to get out of this uncomfortable suit. If you want to change clothes all you have to do is just wish for it. He wished himself into his Hawaiian shirt and Bermuda shorts. Awesome, I was worried I was stuck like this forever. She puffed into a turquoise and navy tie-dye bikini and leaned back in the chair as Darius began the tale of how Charlotte Harrison Blake wished to rearrange deck chairs on the Titanic. He, of course, would miss the whole point of why she had wished to be on the Titanic. If he had known, he may have been inclined to help her, rather than leaving her to fend for herself in the freezing waters. Lucius was glad that Paige caught on to the freezing touch so fast. Darius was still oblivious to it. He smiled. Paige was perfect, and the fact that she had the glow was a very good sign. Furthermore, he couldn't wait to see how that fact that she was immune to his charms played out. 